Daily Drive is brought to you by eBay Motors. Auto dealers, are you missing the most engaged buyers because you don't know where to find them? At eBay Motors, you'll find buyers so motivated, they purchase a car or truck once every three minutes. Just call 866-210-5362 and mention code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Jamie Butters, Chief Content Officer at Automotive News. Welcome to Daily Drive for Monday, July 19, 2021. Starting an automaker is not easy. It's so hard that the few who have tried since World War II have become legends of sorts, whether they succeeded, like Suichiro Honda did, or whether their plans fall short, as they did for Preston Tucker or John DeLorean. But in the wake of Elon Musk's surprising success with Tesla, the electric vehicle specialist, a slew of EV startups have been announced and even secured some funding. Henrik Fisker tried launching an automaker in the depths of the global financial crisis. Unlike Musk, he wasn't able to overcome supplier struggles and funding challenges. Armed with the wisdom of that experience, Fisker is trying again with a new approach, a cost-conscious asset light strategy that relies on partnerships to reduce risk as well as upfront expenses and investments on manufacturing, retailing, service. It's a clever strategy that has been theorized about for years. Only now is it being put to the test. Regular listeners may recall that the Daily Drive podcast was launched when the novel coronavirus started spreading and we could no longer do in-person interviews for ANTV's Weekend Drive show. But last week, in a sign of the times, at least for those of us who are happily vaccinated, Henrik Fisker visited Automotive News headquarters in Detroit. And that's where I met with him for the first time in more than a decade. Henrik Fisker, thank you for joining me on Daily Drive, a rare in-person Daily Drive. It's great to be here. And it was actually fun to uh, arrive at the Detroit airport. It was just like, yeah, I've been there two weeks ago, but it's actually been two years ago. So, yeah, it's great <laughs> to see you in person. Very good to be here. All full of people, mostly maskless. Uh, it's like we're back to, to normal life. Yeah. Sometimes you could say, unfortunately, because we were, it was pretty packed <laughs> in the airport, actually. <laughs> Hopefully people remember their uh, their patience and consideration uh, that we had to exercise so much during during the pandemic. So exactly. we'll do our best. So look, you enjoyed, you know, really heralded career as de- as a designer at Aston Martin, at Ford and of course uh, at BMW uh, before you became an entrepreneur. And uh, I'd never had the pleasure of, of meeting you until then, until I think it was 2008 at the Detroit show. And you, you were a very busy uh, <laughs> person. Uh, and lo- introducing the Karma, which was you know, such a, a beautiful car, um, but, but the business didn't work. And I guess now that you're, you know, you're back in the saddle, another, another company, what, what are like the three most important things that, that you learned from that experience that, that you bring to this endeavor? Well, you know, first of all, uh, getting out that early where when you look back in 2007 and eight, there was really only two companies that worked on electric cars. There was Tesla and Fisker. Um, I mean, there was a little bit of dabbling maybe at, at you know, a couple of OEMs like GM, but it wasn't really a, a major effort. And of course, for, for those two companies, it was the major effort. Now, when you're that early out, and that's maybe one of the lessons learned, uh, the technology risk is gigantic. And of course, we got to feel that in the most brutal way when our battery supplier went bankrupt and we couldn't continue. Um, so I think the lessons learned there is really to 
uh, evaluate technology very carefully, uh, figure out where you're going to take the risk, uh, seeing if you have the capability to dual uh, source, which by the way, at that time we didn't because there was only one battery company available for us at that time. Um, that's obviously very different today. So going into EV, uh, the EV space today is not as risky as it was at that time. The other uh, second takeaway for me was um, really learning how difficult it is not only to develop a car, but getting a car manufactured into high quality. So with that in mind, we decided that we wanted to have a development and manufacturing partner from the beginning, which is why we, we immediately start working with Magna, signed agreements with Magna for both co-development and manufacturing. So that was an important part. And then the third uh, big lessons learned for me was, uh, of course, we knew that automotive, uh, you know, the automotive industry is capital intensive, but uh, in those days, both Fisker and Tesla went out in multiple financing rounds. And what happens is you end up getting delays. And when you get a delay, you need even more money. And it's never fun to go out and ask for more right. money when you have a delay. Right. So we decided with Fisker that we weren't going to start any serious development efforts. We, we did a lot of design, did a lot of actually working on our very condensed development process, but the actual kickoff, we didn't want to do it until we had raised at least $1 billion that we knew we could get from start till start of production. So the start of program, start of production, we needed a billion dollars. So we, we did that last year, we went public, we raised actually a little over a billion dollars, and then we got a little bit more money in this year. So we are very well financed, we still have 900 million in the bank, and that gave a lot of confidence also to our suppliers that we have enough money to pay them. So, so far we have had no delays. We're on time, ready to launch the car next year. So those were, were really the three biggest lessons learned. Yeah, those are big ones. Uh, so yeah, you touched on, I guess, the one that to me is so crucial, which is, uh, you know, like Tesla, you had to go back and get money many times. And Tesla, I mean, time and again, billions and billions more than they had anticipated even after you know they avoided death a few times uh, and uh, and escaped, I guess are you are you confident will Fisker not have to go back to markets? I mean, maybe for later product development or or other projects, retail build out, anything like that? Or do you think you're self funding already? Well, you for, would be as soon as you launch. Well, first of all, you know we have a very different business model in Tesla, radically different because of our partnership with Magna is number one. That's the first car we're going to launch. And then we have a second partnership with Foxconn and a totally different model. So our business model is asset light, so we don't have the need for the same amount of capital as if you're going to make you know, your own factories and all that stuff. That's number one. Number two, yeah, we probably will need eventually money again, but you know, once you're public and uh, you already have raised over a billion dollars and you're on time, there's other ways of financing. You know, you don't have to go out and raise money from, from you know, selling stock. There's other type of debt financing you can do. And then finally, we are, uh, we are expected to be cash flow positive already uh, in late 23. So that's also a very different business model to other EV startups that may take many, many, many years before they're cash flow positive. And that's a direct uh, uh, result of our asset light business model. So I think we, we have a very clear 
path to how we're going to get capitalized. We plan to have four vehicles on the market before end of before 2025. Uh, we got a super fantastic and very strict CFO that has, uh, I think, a very good grip on the finances and an amazing finance plan. Uh, and that's also unique for, for a startup. Uh, it, clearly, you've been uh, very frugal with your billion dollars so far and, and trying to make sure that that lasts. Uh, so I'm sure your investors and your uh, suppliers appreciate that. So your first vehicle, the Ocean, it, it's a crossover. It looks like a luxury vehicle, uh, you know, just seeing the pictures of it. And, but you say it's going to start at 37.5, right? I mean... Really? Is that, is, that a, is that a real price or is that more like a Tesla price or maybe to be more, more polite, an Apple price? Uh, you know, we've, we've been, we as consumers have been dealing with battery things for a while and we know that there's a price that you can make it for and then there's the one with the battery that we want and it always costs, you know, quite a bit more. How, how far up market, how, how expensive is an ocean going to be? Are they going to typically transact in the like mid 60s or 70s? Uh, where, where do you see that playing out? Look, I mean, reality is that any car you buy, you have to make a choice of, you know, what are the options you want in that vehicle, whether you want the bigger, if it's a gasoline, the bigger gasoline engine, you know, do you want the bigger stereo, do you want the sunroof, do you want the bigger wheels? Of course, all these things cost money. So, of course, you're not going to get a fully loaded Fisker Ocean for $37,500. That's clear. Uh, However, uh, the way we are able to achieve I think a very, very competitive price is, first of all, we started out with a joint platform development that Magna had already done. uh, And that gave us uh, a certain amount of, um, I would say, pricing power because a lot of these components were sourced for high volume, relatively high volume in EVs. So I have to remember Nobody's making a million EVs a year, right? <laughs> right nope. but so if you already have something sourced for maybe over 100,000 EVs, that's a lot. And that means you get a lot lower pricing. So that was uh, one important point. We, of course, changed this platform into becoming a Fisker design platform. But still, we had very good visibility of the pricing. And, and working within Magna and their suppliers and some of the Magna companies, we got a great visibility on that. Then we have an amazing battery supplier where we have, I think, really competitive pricing. And then finally, um, you know, we don't have a dealer infrastructure and we're not planning to have that. Uh, we have a very asset-like company, so we don't have to fund, you know, uh, thousands and thousands of people. We also have a very unique service, service model. So all that factored in, we're able to start uh, at 37,500, make a profit margin on it, and put, I think, a fair amount of, of stuff in the vehicle, a good range. Of course, we're going to have a top-of-the-line vehicle that will go all the way up to $69,000. We have already announced that. Fully loaded, largest battery, four-wheel drive, super power, and all that type of stuff, solar cells and all that. So, yes, you can walk all the way up there. But I think you're going to get a really well-equipped. I mean, the standard car comes with 20-inch aluminum wheels, you know, full cool vegan interior, uh, you know, a, a pretty big battery pack. So I think we have a really attractive vehicle uh, in, in that segment. So partnering with Magna on the ocean, it makes so much sense. It's just, you know, they have the experience, they have the facility, they have a trained workforce, they have the supplier relations. Uh, 
you know, you've announced the um, audaciously specific launch date of November 17, 2022, and working with that partner and having that date, I, I, I have this absurd confidence that you can actually do that uh, because, <laughs> because, because you have a proven partner and a, and a real solid plan, right? And that's such a huge contrast with Tesla, which routinely blew past its targets. And I guess their investors understood that was what they were meant as. Well, I think actually if you go into traditional OEMs, at least the ones I've worked at, you know, BMW and Ford, uh, specifically larger OEMs, you know, you have pretty firm dates on when you're planning to launch a vehicle. You may not announce it, but you have, because that's what everybody works to us and that's what all the suppliers work to us. So it's not a, a non-traditional thing to do. It's not traditional to do it for a startup. <laughs> and the reason is, of course, if you're building your own factory and you've never developed a car before and all that, of course, anything you say is basically just a hope. But in this case, because we work with Magna, as you rightly point out, we set a very clear target together with Magna. So they have a very big part of this responsibility to get the vehicle launched next year in November, on November 17th. And we are working back from that date and we are working with all our suppliers it's a super tight time frame. It's a little over two-year development time. It's probably in the, in the record area. But we are extremely focused. I attend uh, engineering meetings on a daily basis, make decisions on a daily basis. We have had to completely reinvent the development process and speed up decision-making like you can imagine, uh, freezing things early on, all this type of stuff. So... Uh, it's not an easy task, but so far we're on time and we have hit all our engineering milestones. Uh, I'm confident we're going to launch on the 17th of November next year. We'll be back for more with Henrik Fisker after this. The most motivated car buyers aren't knocking on your door anymore. They're online, but you don't have to look far. You can find them at eBay Motors. Our platform features over 7 million engaged users. Our buyers are so engaged, they enter over 3 billion search impressions per month and buy a car or truck every three minutes. Today's car buyer has high expectations when they browse online. eBay Motors helps you meet those expectations. Use machine learning with our AI-driven vehicle pages, and you'll automatically optimize your buyer's experience. It's as easy as listing your inventory and watching as the most engaged buyers find you. If you've ever uploaded your automotive inventory to a website, you have more than enough skills to get your cars listed on eBay Motors. It will feel like you're setting up an entirely new car dealership within minutes. Once you list your available inventory, you'll have additional support from the platform, including a single destination page for your entire brand. Want to generate more sales automatically? eBay Motors lets you choose between auction, classified, and fixed-price listing options so the site does the heavy lifting. It even integrates with your existing dealer or vehicle management system. All you have to do is list your inventory. Sit back, relax, watch a movie, and then check back in to see the sales you've made. How do you start? It's as simple as creating an account. Call 866-210-5362 and mention the code AUTONEWS to get 50% off your first two months. Find out why selling cars has never been this easy. That number again, 866-210-5362. Okay, so you do this deal with Magna, very safe, very prudent, uh, takes out a lot of volatility, a lot of risk. So then for your second vehicle, you turn to Foxconn, which has very limited experience in the auto space, has never built a car. Isn't that the, like, the opposite of playing it safe with an experienced 
partner? Absolutely, and that's why we did that as a second thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and that's exactly the point. I think as you move forward, you know, we can take more and more risk. And I think that uh, with this program, not only, of course, is it a risk, the, the, the sort of business model itself, uh, although I will say if you're going to try something new, I couldn't imagine a better partner than Foxconn because in the end of the day, they are not only the world's largest manufacturer, but they also have an incredible supply chain, some of the supplies which they own, which is in the technology side. So we have already benefited from our relationship to Foxconn. I'll get, give you two, two examples. One, we will have absolutely no chip shortage because Foxconn actually produces chips. Uh, so that's an advantage already for us. Secondly, we uh, were able to get uh, our new screen, not only the fact that it will have the highest resolution of any screen in the world, but also made in record time because it's made by Sharp, which is owned by Foxconn, and they were able to speed up. So we've already seen some advances there, and I ultimately think that the Pair might be the first vehicle in the world that is sourced mainly from the tech suppliers rather than traditional automotive suppliers. We would still need some traditional automotive suppliers, but there's a lot of new tech suppliers because this vehicle almost is more like a computer on wheels than a traditional car. Well, certainly working with the, uh, the maker of the iPhone uh, gives you a good claim to being the, uh, making it the iPhone of cars, which of course is what a lot of people have been pursuing for, uh, for a decade, ever since the iPhone really reinvented personal communication. And that was kind of the idea. The idea was to actually, the idea that I had for the pair was, what if, like an Apple or a Sony or somebody would make a car, how would that look, how would they think about it? And I don't know how they would think about it, so I just <laughs> jumped sort of out of the automotive box and kind of gave myself that assignment. So that's kind of how that started and then evolved into thinking about the consumer of the future living in Amiga City. If we, if we look away from tradition, how would we develop a car? Would it really be developed the way we do it today? I don't think so because cars today still fundamentally have a lot of things in the development process and how we think about it that was developed in the 50s and 60s and 70s where yes, there were open roads and we were doing all these fantastic things, but you know, coming out of COVID, we're again gonna sit in traffic we live differently. Many people never even leave the city with a car. So what does that mobility device look like? How does the daily living influence the design of the car? So we actually went through user scenarios of young people, their daily life, what do they do before work, after work, when they're in the car, and that's kind of how we designed this vehicle. And that's why we have so many revolutionary things in this vehicle. And because it's so revolutionary, unfortunately, we're not going to show this car until pretty much the day we start producing it. Well, I, we all look forward to seeing that and, uh, and what, what kind of surprises you'll, you'll hold for us, what the, uh, the end next or uh, well, the one more thing will be. So stepping back, right, um, there, was, there was that era, you know, 10 years ago, 10, 12 years ago of, uh, you know, trying some, of some startups now uh, we have this incredible time of all these, you know, a, like a dozen EV startups uh, getting going, the special purpose acquisition companies to accelerate public stock offerings. 
what does it all mean? I mean, nobody is like nobody created an automaker and got it to scale since Mr. Honda, you know, until like Elon Musk and you know, maybe Li Shufu, you can kind of argue. Um, and but now there's there are all these uh, startups, including yourselves. Um, what what do you think the industry is going to look like in 20 years and how will we look back on on this time? I think we look back at this time and see that there was a vacuum where there was a transition period, not only, so I think the misconception is that we are transitioning from gasoline to electric, and that's the big revolution. I think we're transitioning from the vehicles of today to the vehicles of tomorrow. And the vehicles of tomorrow have so many new things added to them. One part, which is major, is electrification, but there's a ton of technology. And I actually don't even think it's, it's uh, autonomous technology. That is just a minor part of it. And that's actually something that when it's ready, it's going to become a commodity, just like the adaptive cruise control. And we've already seen people wasting a lot of money in that development, and it didn't go as far as people thought. And I think it's still far out. But I think what we're going to see is in the next five to seven years is, a, is this transition period that opens up possibilities for new car makers. And the reason is that I think there's a time now to revolutionize the car as we know it in many different aspects. So it's not just one area. And I don't think anybody necessarily have the answer right now, and that's the excitement. Everybody's sort of looking, who's going to come up with the answer and what is it really? Uh, and I think the consumer plays a very big part of this because what has happened is in the last, let's say, 50 years, the car industry have sold cars to a consumer the way they wanted to sell them and they have built the cars they wanted to build. Now the consumer, and, and the consumer felt that they were always getting the latest technology from the car makers, and that was a major part of their life. That has now transformed into the consumer gets their newest technology from the smartphone makers like Apple and Samsung, and they get their life from those makers. That is their life now. We can't live without our phone, our smartphone. Our life is gone, our, our life is in the phone. So now suddenly the car industry is in the shadow and they have to figure out how do we get back in the consumer's life and regain that importance. And we need to come up with some whole new ideas and emotions and everything. And that's what we are working on. And I think a big part of this is stimulating the emotional senses in a, in a human's life. And I think what happened in the car industry, quite frankly, the cars became so boring that nobody missed them anymore when we got the smartphone. And we got to get some of that excitement back. If you remember the first time you drove a car, the sense of achievements you felt. You know, today, and especially if you talk about an autonomous car, the sense of achievement to get in an autonomous car would be zero. It'll be like getting into a bus. So what is, what is the excitement about that after you've experienced a car driving yourself? Or what is the excitement getting into a car today? For many people, not that much. So we have to bring that excitement back. And it's not just about how it drives. It's about how you interact with the car and how it interacts with you. And that comes down to software, which is why we have a big software development center in, uh, in San Francisco. We are uh, starting another one in India. I think software, uh, the human interface, the user interface is going to be uh, huge, uh, very important in the future. We hired 
uh, one of the top guys at Microsoft that also worked at Electronic Arts, video games. He's hired a whole bunch of people from gaming to software. We have zero automotive personnel in our UI department. Hmm. So that's the transformation. And I think when you look back at this, these next five years, yeah. you're going to see that vacuum where the next generation of automotive was invented. And I don't know if it's going to come from the startups, from traditionals. I think they're still up in the air. I hope a lot of it will come from Fisker. <laughs> well, the, the competition can only, uh, only serve the, cu the customers more. I think so. And I think the customers will have more choice. I think the customers are a lot more open. I think 20 years ago, customers would never buy a car from a brand they never heard about. I think today they will. I think Tesla's proven it. Um, so it's, it's an open game, and it's going to be a tough competition, and uh, it's going to be exciting. All right. Henrik Fisker, thank you for joining me on Daily Drive in person. We can fist bump and everything. Great. Good to see you. That's Daily Drive for Monday, July 19th. Thank you to producer Eric Jones. For the latest breaking news online, type in autonews.com. And for a complete library of more than 300 Daily Drive interviews, go to autonews.com slash daily drive. <laughs>